Hi, I'm Michael Shermer, and I took a left at the valley, and that was the best turn I ever made. Uh, <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. And we're back. Welcome to Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin and I am your host. Joining me as the cookie and cream as they are is my <laughs> reduced team of <laughs> Nancy and Regina. Hey, we go, for, doing, we go for quality, not quantity. Yeah, well, no, that's cook- nothing against the entire team. I love cookies and cream. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, welcome back. Thank you. Regina, you're back. You're just like loving this thing, aren't you? Oh, yes. I mean, something new, something fun. <laughs> what have we started here? That's right. This is a show about positive atheism, skeptical thinking, and secular humanism. And today, we're going to have a show that we finally, <laughs> we've been promising for quite a while. We have the interview with Michael Shermer. Oh, that's a good thing. Yes, we've been promising this for a while, and a lot of people have been saying, hey, hey, is this ever going to play? Well, it's going to play today. Well, it keeps our ratings up. They keep saying, well, maybe today's the day. Maybe, today. <laughs> maybe today's the day, exactly. That's right. It's our <laughs> teaser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you ladies have a good week? Anything you want to talk about real quick? Uh, I think uh, it was the, the convention in the States. I, I told uh, Nancy that I didn't think I could stand watching any of it. You're talking about the Republican National Convention. Yes, yeah. yes. And then I end up turning on CBC, and don't they have the Trump speech? And I thought, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought mm. I'd missed this. Well, for Canadian yeah. listeners that might not have been following this, the uh, Republicans are uh, had their convention this past week. And today, as we speak, as we're recording right now, they're starting to have the Democratic Convention. Well, they're, they're preparing the yeah. Rules Committee and, and exactly. so forth. But There's already trouble. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the broadcast actual beginning, I think, is Monday, mm. Monday night for their, their four nights. That should be interesting. And, yeah. of course, the... Uh, the Republicans have finally crowned Donald Trump as their candidate for the Republicans. Who would have thought you'd asked me that last year? Was said, no way in hell. I, I think very few people ever thought. I think he he among them was probably one that thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. You know, but what have I what have I got to lose? Any press is good press, as he <laughs> likes to say. And and the challenge of seventeen people was almost irresistible. Oh, so yeah. here we are. Isn't it uh, that we were the same topic that we were discussing when we did that move and uh, we were at the restaurant with Jeff as well? I think we were talking about the impossibility of of Trump all those months back mm-hmm. when as we were you moved right. to your other location and now uh, it's it's just amazing because it looks like it might end up even happening. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, it's uh, well, there's very the threat. scary now. There's the threat. It's I'm, more I'm, than just a threat. You know, I, I, I'm having a hard time moving beyond <laughs> a, a threat because reality and, and the possibility of a dictator, you know, in the United States, not not lending himself as a person who can be tempered by cooler heads and diplomatic 
um, 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 well, conversation, what do you call them? negotiations? Yeah. Although he says he's the art of the deal, but mostly his deal is, if I come out ahead, it's a good deal. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny personally that you mentioned the art of the deal. The ghostwriter for the art of the deal exactly. actually came out and said, you know, Donald Trump is not a nice person. <laughs> I forget no. the guy's name. He was actually being interviewed by Bill Maher, and even Michael Moore, noted filmmaker Michael Moore, came out and said, you know what? There's a real, really good possibility. And he's, like us, he's saying no way. But right now we might be just having denial. I heard some good analysis about how he is able to reel people in, that he doesn't provide information, it's validation. And the people that are listening, they don't want the information. They want the validation. So unfortunately, he's been able to clue into that and use it very, very well. Yeah, sort of the the feel the feel good that the goal yeah. is going to be worth it. Yes. It's, it's all emotion yeah. on one yeah. side. Emotion on one. Yes. On the Republican yeah. side, yeah, it's all that. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, I've always said, you know, most voters... For lack of a better term, are pretty stupid, and uh, Canada is no different in that sense. And uh, I just don't understand how. To me, and this is my opinion; it's only worth that much. But to me, when you have a, a candidate like Bernie Sanders, you know, wh- who actually by poll after poll after poll after poll is just t- trouncing everybody down the field, including Trump. But yet now, right here at the convention, they're going to be voting for who? Clinton, who can barely hold her own. I just don't understand this. Well, I, I take a more optimistic view. I was really yeah, thrilled. I, I voted for Bernie in, in the primaries. And Good for I, you. Hold on. we yeah, got to give you an applause for that. Because I really felt that his his message of of revolution and getting people to, to fight for the middle class and to understand what's going on in the states in terms of the upper 1% and, and uh, you know, being able to, to be a voice for the, the students who deserve an education without yes. having to, to go into debt and the middle class who, you know, need to have a salary and, uh, and a wage where if they're working 40 hours, they shouldn't have to go on welfare and go to food banks and, you know, all of these things, all of these old-fashioned democratic ideas, it, he pulled in a lot of people. Unfortunately, the, you know, his, the, the end result didn't come about as his being the nominee, but I feel that the, the people who he's empowered with all of these old-fashioned social, mm-hmm. democratic social ideas, and, and Bernie himself will be a force in the um, in the administration where it's going to be I don't know but I I, I think that he the, the tent is big enough and, and needs Bernie that it will help Hillary um, stick to her promises and I think Bernie will will have a, a, a place where they can utilize all of the see this, this is where you and I disagree young, yeah I know this is where you and I disagree because I I really think that right now the uh, Clinton side uh, well, first of all, it's, uh, there's something extremely suspicious about the way she just won. And first of all, she's, she hasn't won the nomination yet. She's the presumptive nominee, and we won't know till the end of the convention. So there's still one last hand to play. Uh, but this, I mean, every state and caucus and, and primary where she won has been accused of fraud. Every exit poll out of these places, which are usually extremely reliable, are out by up to 30%. Which is an unheard of. Really? Yes. Oh. It's massive, massive fraud. And now we find out WikiLeaks just pulled out that uh, the DNC has been in cahoots from the get-go to put Sanders down. 
from the get-go. So there's another shoe to drop there, I'm hoping anyway. Uh, because it, it just it just seems amazing to me. I mean, I can actually understand something like that happening in Canada. Because let's, let's face it, in Canadians, we're pretty apathetic in this kind of stuff. We don't like to rock the boat. But in the States, my God, I thought for sure there'd be people like in, down the streets and like civil war almost over something like that. Uh, well, I've, I've got more of my skeptical hat on. I, I certainly... It's you, a nice hat, by the way. I, <laughs> I like that feather. You do? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Me too. Um I, I, I now I, lo- I I got tickled by the feather and now my brain is <laughs> shut down. But I, the, the skeptical part says that it's politics and accusations of fraud in in when the stakes are this high are going to fly. But I, the accusation and how you know if, if there's any transparency and the truth finally comes out, I'm willing to suspend saying. Okay, there's a lot of heat, but let's see whether there was a fire or whether there was smoke or what actually happened. I doubt whether we're ever going to find out because it's going to be buried. But I, I, I don't think it was as dark and as conspiratorial as you do. But I, because I honestly feel that the result would have been Hillary. I just mm. I felt it would have been her all along. No, I see. I, dis- I disagree with you yet again at this point, but that's that, okay. Yeah. We're, we're still friends. <laughs> I'm optimistic, though, from what Nancy said, that uh, I am hoping at least that Sanders' voice will be heard because you take a look when Obama uh, was against, uh, well, pardon me, I don't know if that's quite the word, but they were, Hillary and he were um, both vying for the same position. Hillary gets. Uh, support by him once he's in. So I'm hoping that Sanders' experience is the same. Uh, Again, I I don't know that much about um, American politics, but I'm learning more and more because I think it's almost necessary to know now what's going on. It it is necessary to know. And, you know, although CIVL would have been wrapping on our fingers for doing this this kind of American politics talk. Too bad. <laughs> I think it's important because they are our biggest trading partner. Yes. I, I, but I would disagree. I mean, as much as I would love to see uh, Sanders into the cabinet and into a position of influence, I think what they're doing right now on the Clinton campus, they're doing the old bait and switch. They did the same thing with Elizabeth Warren. Bring on board, try to bring the progressive, and do the same thing with endorsement with Sanders, try to bring the progressive, which of course turned on a dime on them because everybody right away did not go for Clinton. They actually went for Jill Stein, which is actually the Green Party, which is a very interesting thing to watch because as soon as Bernie endorsed Hillary, all, well, I can't say all, of course, but a lot of his support went directly for the Green. I'd heard that, And yes. her fundraising escalated by 1,000%. Yes. So the, uh, right there, that whole thing backfired on Hillary. And of course, she, I think, in my opinion, she's basically given the finger to the progressive by that VP choice she made, whose name escapes me right now. But I have Tim, to agree uh, with you. It, it, uh, yeah, Tim, Tim something. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 he's Tim, from Virginia, if that counts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's not known as a progressive at all. Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine, that's right. He's not known as a progressive but at I've all. But I watched him. He, he gave his, his talk okay. today. Yep. And I was really impressed. I was impressed by um, his his background, um, the fact that he was a mayor, that he was a governor, that he was a senator, that he's been um, uh, a progressive for mm-hmm. the little guy. He was an attorney, and he prosecuted cases against insurance companies and landlords. Mm-hmm. Uh, he one of his cases was the largest ever awarded, um, you know, in in terms of a rent. You know, the, the landlord. 
board uh, tenant. So I, I, he's a very likable guy, which I, I realize people can be likable and nasty, but like you know, me. but um, <laughs> I, I think he brings to her a a level headedness and a steadfastness that she needs. Um, whether he is more centrist than progressive, I think he's somewhere in between. But I think he gives her some stability. And I think at the end of the week, we'll know more. Mm-hmm. And getting back to your Jill Stein, I think the stakes are so high that even though some of the Bernie supporters are seemingly... Um, switching over to Jill Stein, by the end of the convention, when they understand what the stakes are, I think they'll come. I think they'll come back into the fold. Now, I think that's that, what, the, I think that's what they're betting on. I think that's yeah. what I think that's, that's what the uh, uh, Democrats are betting on. Um, you know, better vote for Hillary or, or, or else it's Trump. I don't think the millennials are going to fall for that. I really don't think so. I think the millennials, the the uh, lesser of two evil thing, I don't think is going to work for that. Not this time. It's worked for several generations in the past. I, like I said, it's only my opinion. I don't think it's going to work this way. Yeah, it it, uh, it it's really it, it's really going to be interesting because the whole convention, the whole Republican convention, was a dystopian nightmare. It, oh, it truly was when they, you know, the the delegates are there chanting "lock her up, lock her up, and hang her." Yeah. And, and they're, so, they're supposed to be uh, exposing their plan, their policies, what they're going to do, <laughs> no. and all they can get is "lock her up, lock her up." It's like, yeah, really? the only bright stars were were Trump's kids. Yeah. And I guess they have to be nice to him because the inheritance, they want to stay in the will. When, when the family starts getting involved in the politics, like that, it does kind of feel like a dictatorship, doesn't it? Like yeah. a banana republic. The kids are going to be in charge real soon. Oh, yeah, but, but we've done that in Canada now for years. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. It's, uh, if you can uh, use the kids to any benefit, uh, and it, you know, that's from what age age zero up. No, even our current prime minister, right? But they, they, they came across, you know, genuinely bright, nice kids. And it was the, well, you know, maybe we ought to dump Trump and put the kids in. But anyway, we got, I, I think, you know, the contrast, you know, to this doom and gloom and, yeah, and Trump saying, I'm something. the only one that can solve this to let's do it together this week. And then the whole campaign, I'm just, I'm totally hooked. I, I'm the, the, my phone is off. I'm not visiting. I'm with the convention this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I, I, I guess for me, it's on a personal level, I guess. I just feel that with, I was so hoping that Bernie would be in there and there's still a chance that he could be. Um, because I thought Bernie was that, that bell that re- essentially rang the end of Reaganomics, the end of trickleomics, the end of that conservative detour we've been doing for 30, 40 years now that's been making us all miserable. And he was signaling that. If he doesn't get in there, then we, that's postponed. It's going to happen eventually, but that is postponed again uh, because I don't think Hillary Clinton is going to bring that kind of an end. But, well, and of course, be- four years from now or eight years from now, Bernie's probably going to be too old to do this. Well, part of what was going on behind the scenes was the negotiation for the platform. Now, the platform, they run on the platform and then the administration, you know, veers, yeah, yeah. Uh, veers and I away. I think that's exactly what's going on. You happen. know, but... 
um, I, I, I think they, they gave Bernie not only a conciliatory, but I think they gave him quite a bit of latitude and power in helping to shape that. And he's also going to speak on Monday night, which is the first night of the convention. The only way we're going to know is if she gets in office, what role he's going to what role he's going to play and if he's really going to push her into um, the, hold, holding fast to the campaign promises. I'm leaning a bit towards Kevin. and uh, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish I could go um, it'd be as optimistic uh, but, uh, as Nancy, but at this point it's reminding me so much of what happened with the progressive conservatives up here in Canada mm. when David Orchard uh, wanted to uh, become the lead and then you've got Peter McKay and Peter McKay sells out the progressive conservatives yes. basically and then the moderate side is just lost I know we're talking conservatives versus Democrats so there's a, a different uh, maybe feel to what's happening but uh, I, I still want to hold on to some optimism but I don't know I haven't. I have. I don't really feel I have precedent for it. Mm. Well, I'd like to be optimistic. I mean, that's generally in, in my nature. But I, I do understand that not only do you have those factions within each party, but in the states you also have the re, the Republican obstructionists, which means yeah. you can start out with a very progressive bill that says, all right, state colleges, we're going to make state colleges available to residents um, tuition-free for the first two years or first three years. And once it gets through the House and gets through the Senate, uh, it might be, you know, the first cup of coffee that when you have on campus is going to be free. <laughs> and and the rest of it, you know, you're going to have to pay out your pocket. It's, it's, it's so difficult to get anything progressive through it, it it blows back into being centrist and then it blows back into being anything that we can get by this Congress, you know, to make one step forward mm. is going to be okay. So you, you've got a lot of that as well. We'll have to wait and see. And Abs- I'm sure, I think I'm sure it's we'll a, have some other conversation see. about this before November for sure. Wait and see. But at least the diastopian witch trial is now <laughs> over. And we can, we can move on to the, the, the Democrat wrangling and see what happens. Well, moving on to a bit of other news, of course, there's that Munich attack, another oh, yes. attack by Islamist extremists. Uh, well, what, what can I say now that haven't been, hasn't been said before? Um, this, is, this is getting ridiculous. Well, they are labeling him as more somebody who is mentally unbalanced than uh, anybody radicalized. Now, they may change their mind because when I was listening to the reports yesterday, they were talking about there being three people involved. And all of a sudden, those three have morphed into one. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know, It may. are there two others uh, that are involved with um, well, There is some, fa- some footage that uh, showed up on Facebook of the guy actually kind of taunting people to come in and all of a sudden pulling out his, his, his weapon and starting shooting people are scrambling away. It's, kind of, it's, not, it's not easy to see what's going on there. Uh, but, um, you know, th- this is, uh, what they said, nine? Nine in the... Uh, in, uh, that were killed? Uh, Germany, and killed that would, uh, yes, that were killed? and I think 27 in hospital, 10 of whom are in pretty severe 
situation. So, so, so nine there, um, 84 dead in uh, Nice, that just happened, 281 dead in Baghdad, 49 dead in Orlando, 72 dead in Lahore, 35 dead in Brussels, 18 dead in Grand Bassam, 12 dead in Jakarta, 45 dead in Istanbul, 14 in San Bernardino, 130 in Paris, 103 dead in Ankara, 145 in Meduguri and uh, Monguno, 38 dead in South. 38 dead in Tunis, 17 in Paris again, 2 dead in Sydney, 224 in Egypt, and 137 dead in Yemen. Can we stop saying that Islam is a religion of peace? Can we finally stop saying that? I mean, it's no more a religion of peace that Christianity is a religion of peace. Um, I mean, we, we, we just have to face fact. I know it's not popular. I'm, I want to I I stress out. Most Muslims are peaceful people. Islam itself is not a doctrine of peace. It just isn't. And uh, the sooner we admit that, along with Christianity, and the sooner that, we, that Muslims turn around and say, you know, it's time for us to reform the religion, if you want to keep the faith, fine, uh, they need to reform it like the Christians did, the m- more of this is going to happen. It's going to keep happening, and the, for- the problem is, Christianity had this, per- this, this period of reformation, but it was during the Dark Ages, during the middle, uh, you know, when, when you had swords and bows. Today, the Muslims are having that, but now you have machine guns and bombs. So it's much more devastating of an impact. It is, and I think you also have to, you know, understand, or at least I try to understand that it's the extremists that are causing are causing this, and along with of the course, extremists, like said, you know, most most Muslims are perfectly normal and, people. And, and, and along with with that, with the list that you read, you still have the lone wolf, the misfit, the guy who has been radicalized mostly because he um, he's mentally ill yep. and uh, recognizes a way for him to vent his anger and his frustration and his inability to fit in with society. And so he feels that gives him the right to go out and uh, be a mass murderer and, and to, you know, to be able to have ma- weapons of mass destruction. So it's, a, it, it's complicated. I, I find it difficult, you know, to, to get into that argument of, um, you know, uh, Muslims you know, having or Islam being or not being a religion of peace. I think that it's so complicated. It, it, it truly, it you truly is. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But, you know, like I said, when Christians had their crazy period, because they did, um, you had to draw a sword. If you wanted to kill people in the name of God, you had to, you know, you had to walk to a place and you had to draw a sword where everybody else had a sword on them. Today, you know, that, that same crazy, that same extremist can buy a gun yeah. and doesn't need require any skill to wield it, really, and could just walk into a public place and open fire and be devastating, you know? Uh, Back then, when Christianity decided to run over people with a horse and carriage, it was a lot slower and less devastating than a truck, right? The, the weapons have evolved, but our mentality has not. And it's really high time I like that... that. I like I want a T-shirt. The, the <laughs> weapons have evolved, but humanity <laughs> has not. not. I think that... There I, we go. T-shirt con- Conversation over. It's now a meme and a T-shirt. That's well, it. I, I really think that's it's, it. it's up to the rest of, of, of uh, the Muslim world... It, Islam itself to really take the reins on this. I'm wondering if on the next show you could possibly invite um, Donald Trump because apparently 
Well, no. He's, oh, he'd love to come on. Yeah, he right, says he's going to do something about this. Well, we just we just got to tell him this is the best show. Well, this yeah, this is a really good show. We got great words. It's the best show. Yeah, well, <laughs> because one of the criticisms of his speech was precisely that he said what he was going to do, but there was no clarity as to how he was going to do it. Because the idea is that he would take out the people who are causing this grief. He doesn't deal in... In, in clarity, he deals in positive messages that are just absolute rhetoric. No, I, <laughs> I mean, agree. Entirely. That's where the problem is going to be. But, but that's where let's we'll give him a call and we'll say, "Hey, Don, Nold." <laughs> <laughs> but can we? I mean, I, I know this yeah. is a very serious conversation, so I shouldn't even be bringing levity. No, no, it. that's great. But how how do we stop anybody who is who has decided they're going to do this? I'd like to know because I'm wondering how long before they decide a different area might be the area that they're interested in. I might be somewhere around that area. Well, Regina, I know you're new to the show, but we actually have a clip of Donald Trump and his uh, his plan. Oh, okay. I'll be the Muslim. You want to hear? Okay. Hold on a sec. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. And they hear a lamentation of your women. That is good. That's true. That's 100% true. <laughs> oh. Now that we've had our moment of levity, I'm, I'm going to bring us back to the dark side just for a second. While I was watching, um, did, you, did you watch the speech at all, Kevin? No, I just saw oh. some highlights of it. Okay. I and mean, I was watching his speech, and, which was delivered at the top of his lungs. He was screaming in, into the microphone. Like he 75 was, minutes, too. Yeah, yeah, 75 minutes of totally screaming. I honestly, what flashed in my mind were armbands and boots. Oh, yes. Because it was so evocative of the same tactics that, you know, you know who yeah, yeah, used yeah. in Germany in 1939. I'm the solution, and it's all their fault. Yeah. You know, follow me. And the way the crowd was chanting and and you know it was nothing but hate it was it was really it was really scary mm. so uh, you know it's it's just um you know ho- hopefully hopefully this week we'll we'll get an entirely different world view and what i find absolutely amazing about this stuff is the way americans don't seem to realize the impact they have i mean i i, I, I when i talk to american people and and they, they talk about you know oh we'll we'll bomb iran They've been saying that forever. Let's bomb Iran. You know, I, I usually say to them, you do realize that if television showed you a clip of any country in the world where the politician would say, you know what, we're thinking of attacking the United States. You know what, you guys would go to DEFCON 4 like that. Yes. Yet you guys are going out there and saying, yeah, sure, we'll bomb Iran. Sure, we'll do that. And you guys don't seem to realize what, you, you, what you're doing there. You're not helping world peace at all with this kind of rhetoric. No, that's that's true. And the entire world is watching right now what's going on in the states. Absolutely, and you know they're shaking their head too. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, with, I'm getting my couch. I'm getting my couch, which is high to bed, ready for members of my family who <laughs> <laughs> are thinking that coming north of the border, where there is no wall, I, I, is looking good. <laughs> I, I saw a billboard on Facebook, which was brilliant because it was a real estate agent. That <laughs> says moving to Canada, and there's a picture of Hillary and a picture of Donald Trump. <laughs> Call this realtor. <laughs> but anyway, Nancy, you ready to go? Yeah, unless Let's uh, set you up. yeah, unless there's more questions about it, we can move on. I'm sure we'll we can move on. forward into history. <laughs> and here we go to this day in history. 
which is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between July 18th and July 24th. Um, this is so cute. I just love this. July 18th was National Sour Candy Day and the start of the Republican Convention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make these things up. I <laughs> you know, yeah, that show's over. You just won the show. That's, next. It. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Join us next week. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it was wonderful. Uh, July 19th, to put a little antidote on that, was uh, National Ice Cream Day. So it's a good thing. We, we worked our way halfway through the convention to National Ice Cream Day. In 1848... On July 19th, a women's rights convention was held in Seneca Falls, New York. And the topics discussed, and this is 1848, uh, were voting rights, property rights, and divorce. Uh, the convention marked the beginning of an organized women's rights movement in the U.S., uh, and there were female Quakers local to the area that were there along with Elizabeth Cady Stanton. So that may not have been the actual beginning, but it was the first formalized meeting nice. that set it, voting rights in, into... Uh, Although, you know, I don't understand why they, they have a women's uh, thing like that, and they, they talk about divorce. So that's not a woman issue. That, that should be like a... It should be talking to divorce about it in men's conventions, too. I, mean, I don't know. Well, I think probably divorce was because women didn't have any rights. They couldn't, you know, it was so hard for them to, you know, to get beyond their marriage. They had no place to go. They couldn't, in most cases, they couldn't work. They couldn't go back to their families. There was a lot of shame. So you have yeah, to th- yeah. you think of it in terms of, of the context of the dates. No, when I think convention for women, I think something that will advance women in, in their needs and divorce yeah. I don't see that as one of them I think it's more of a common issue between well 1848 and oh, yeah, okay. 2016 big big Fair difference enough. so yeah, yeah give, give them a little little leeway <laughs> July 20th this is a crazy day on July the 20th because it's called Wilg Fortis Day Will, it, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it right. W I L G E. It could be Wilgefortis, but Wilgefortis is a, fam- a female saint of popular religious imagination whose legend arose in the 14th century. So, it, it, the interesting thing about it is that the the female whose name was um, uh, became Wilgefortis. The most distinguishing feature was a large beard. (laughs) She had, according to all legend, she had. She's a bearded lady. She was a bearded lady, and her name was thought to to derive from some old German Helgavartis, which meant holy face. I'm going to go into this because it just it was just fascinating. A, a, A translation of the Italian was Volto Santo, and others believed it to derive from the Latin. Virgo Fortis, which meant strong virgin. So it was a, a compilation of, of different names from different places and different... Strong virgin st- with a beard. With a, with a beard, exactly. In England... Sounds like a guy that beat me up when I was in the Yeah, no. In England, her name was... Un, it was Uncumber. It could have been Uncumber, but I don't know. And in, in Dutch, it was Antcumber, which her name meant escape. I mean, there, there's so many okay. things coming together. This is interesting. So... Um, in, in German lands, it was cumenerous, which meant grief or anxiety. So all of these things came together 
um, in different parts of the world, and she was somewhat complicated with another saint whose name was Saint Liberata, who was the sister of Saint Marina of Aguasantis. And you see how these things get started? I mean, this is like the whispering key. You whisper in my ear, and then by the time it reaches Regina, it's entirely different. But anyway, um, there are statues of her, and her feast is celebrated on July 20th, and she was venerated by people seeking relief from tribulations, in particular, and this goes back to divorce we were just talking about, in particular, women who wish to be liberated, disencumbered, from abusive husbands. So there we just tied this from the 1420s to 2016 with with divorce. But there are actual statues of her that exist, and people do come and worship at her feet and venerate her. Do the statues have the beard? Well, the the story of the beard is that um, the, the Portuguese part of this says that she was actually a teenage noblewoman who had been promised in marriage by her father to a pagan king. So to thwart this unwanted wedding, she took a vow of virginity and prayed that she'd be made repulsive. So in answer to her prayers, voila, she sprouted this beard, which ended the engagement. And in anger, her father had her crucified. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so that's how she became a saint. Is that the most convoluted folk tale ever sure of a saint? And it's also another example where religion is not good Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So happy Wilgefortis Day. Okay. Um, also, yeah, also on July 20th, um, there's the Riot Act in 17... 17- and there really was a riot act in, in Great Britain. Um, and it used to be read in public. And in English law, the control of unruly citizens uh, usually was the responsibility of local magistrates. And any group of 12 or more that the authorities didn't like to look at could be deemed a riotous uh, and tumultuous assembly. And they could be arrested if they didn't disperse within an hour of the riot act being read to them by a magistrate. So... It um, was passed in 1714 and came into force in, in 1715. And here's the Riot Act, which if you're, you tell me if you're a rioting group of people, whether or not you think this is going to This is left dispel. at the valley. We go, We're rioting for sure right here now. Here we go at the, uh, in Cleveland at the Republican Convention, and the police <laughs> are now standing there where they've suspended the open carry, and now they're reading the Riot Act, which says, Our sovereign Lord the King charges and commandeth all persons being assembled immediately to disperse themselves and peaceably to depart to their habitations or to their lawful business upon the pains contained in the act made in the first year of King George for preventing tumults and riotous assemblies. God save the king. Yes. Ah. And and I very that, effective. I believe that law is actually still in the books and still in effect <laughs> here in Canada. Of course, they have to say God save the queen. And it's, they actually have to say that. Yeah. I, how effective is that to a group of people who are seeing red and blood in their eyes? You know, it yeah. just well, well, they'd be just dumbfounded at first. Is like, what? What do you say? Yeah, I don't think it was ever repealed or recalled. No, so no, it's I on, think it's on on the I'm pretty today. sure it's still in effect. Okay, so now um, in uh, we, we, we were July twenty, we're still on July twenty. So much happened on that day. In eighteen oh one, legend has it that the cheese ball came about in eighteen oh one when a 1,235-pound ball of cheese was pressed at the farm of Mr. Elijah Brown, Jr. and presented to President Thomas Jefferson at the White House as a token of gratitude. 
That incident supposedly gave rise to the term big cheese to, con- to connote a person of importance. <coughs> so that's where, that's where the big cheese came from. 1871, B.C. joined the Canadian Confederation. Happy birthday to us. Uh, July 22nd is Hammock Day. And it was also a day when three solo Around the World records were established. 1933, Wiley Post. 1983, Dick Smith in the first helicopter. And, and, and 1989, um, and Tony uh, Alengia, the youngest pilot at age nine. And it took him Whoa. 11 weeks wow. to go around the world. Uh, yeah, nine. age nine. Yeah. How badly did you want your kid out of the house? For a summer, yeah. Good Daddy, point. I'm bored. Here's the keys to the plane. <laughs> And that, dear listeners, wow, we covered a lot. Brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, drawn-out, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. (laughs) Thank you, Nancy, as usual. (laughs) And we'll be right back right after this. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details at bchumanist.ca. Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today. Water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. It's a good uh, 15 minutes. Well, we, depending on what happens, we can... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, by the way, I'd like to remind our uh, audience that if you do like the show, feel free to go to iTunes and give us a five-star review or let us know on Facebook, you know, like our page or stuff like that. 
Just like uh, Randy Tyson there on that spot for a legion of reason. Yeah, or send us an email um, letting us know what you thought of any of our discussions or giving us topics or people that you'd like to listen to. We'd like to be fully interactive with our listeners, so please feel free to, yeah. you know, be a part of our be a part of our show. And if you have something that you think is really good, we might even put you on and give you a little spot. Sure, why not? Why not? Oh, and by the way, speaking of spot, um, our friend from the Legion of Reason, Dr. Randy Tyson, invited me. I will be on this show at the end of this month on the thirty-first. Great. Be sure to listen to that. It should be interesting, and apparently we'll probably talk a whole bunch about Black Lives Matter, which should be very interesting as well. Ah, all right. Excellent. Well, ladies, we always love this little segment, so let's do another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. Oh, the weird and wacky world of religion. This is apparently from The Independent in the UK. It's a bit of an older story. There's an ultra-Orthodox rabbi who doesn't like banana seats on bikes. <laughs> he, uh, he's an ultra-Orthodox Jewish leader and uh, he's reportedly blamed... Uh, no, sorry, banned girls age 5 and older to some areas of Israel for riding bicycles, claiming it's immodest. Uh-oh. The rabbi of the Jerusalem neighborhood of Ananlot, I hope I said that right, distributed this stringent decree to his followers in synagogues across the area. He said young girls riding bicycles could, quote, cause serious damage to their modesty, and that bicycle seats caused young girls to sit in a way men found provocative, according to the Arutz Sheva website. Um... It's yes, always I mean, the woman's fault. Yeah, it's you always, always the girl, even girls two years old, I don't care. It's their fault that they're provocative. It's always women's a- fault. Absolutely. Always. First of all, I got, I got to ask, uh, um, why is he looking at no girls riding bikes, this guy? <laughs> good point. Very good you know? point. <laughs> and and, and uh, is there any record of women losing their virginity on bikes? I thought it was usually a car. <laughs> <laughs> Good one there, Kevin. That's right. <laughs> so, so what, what do we say about these? <laughs> I, I, you know, I. Th- this is my opinion. It's only worth that much. But if if the religion wasn't so sexually repressive, I think a lot of these acts of perversion and these s- ridiculous decrees would just go by the wayside. I wonder how many people actually paid it. I mean, he can make any decree he wants to. I mean, the question is, does anybody take him seriously? Well, you're you're a resident uh, Jew, Nancy. That's so right. You you tell me how how many people of of the ultra orthodox follow to the letter when a decree like that is done. Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Uh, I mean, it really depends on where are. it depends on where you live. I would imagine in Israel, where they have a Probably greater has way more power. yeah, they have a, a greater. Um, um, uh, degree of power, you know, because of the Knesset and because of the laws and so forth. But even so, I think, you know, the area of modernization is coming to where people will say, yeah, thank you, Rabbi. And then, you know, do, just don't ride your bike in front of the rabbi's house. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I can't answer the question. So, Not to be outdone by the Jews. Yeah. There's also a story about a Muslim <laughs> cleric in Ghana. They said that sex between gay couples disgusts Allah and is responsible for earthquakes. Uh. Malam Abbas Mahmoud said in an interview, Allah gets annoyed when males engage in sexual encounter and such disgusting encounter cause earthquakes. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but I also heard that if you go to the evangelicals in the States, they also say, you know, storms and tornadoes are caused by earthquakes. So I think that earthquakes and tornadoes are, are, are caused by the gays and by, by, by God. There must be a lot of gays on Jupiter. <laughs> because that planet is constantly <laughs> being torn apart by earthquakes and tornadoes and stuff. So I don't know. Does it's, that mean that Pat Robertson and, uh, and who is this cleric, a Muslim cleric? It looks like Pat um, Robertson. Malam Abbas Mahmoud. Yeah, they, they seem to have an affinity for each other because didn't they both say that the, it's the gays that cause these aberrations in the weather? Pat better watches. Uh, yeah, he, he's know. one of those. Yeah. But segue into our favorite uh, uh, mummy, the mummified remains of Pat Robertson were temporarily thawed to campaign for Donald Trump. <laughs> Several evangelicals, including working, uh, walking gaff of former rep Michelle Bachman, already believe Trump, the uh, thrice-married casino magnate who appeared on the cover of Playboy, Playboy, has been ordained by God. But televangelist Pat Robertson has taken one step further. He believes Trump is on the par with Jesus Christ. Oh. I know. Hey, way to go, Pat. Um, quote, God came to me in a dream last night and showed me the future, said Robertson. He took me to heaven and I saw Donald Trump seated at the right hand of our Lord. And this is an actual quote. Oh, come on. This is the guy from the 700 Club that plays on Joy TV. And I can't believe they play this guy. (sighs) And according to the raw story, there's another pastor. His name is Robert Jeffress. He's the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, a 12,000-member megachurch. They have megachurches in the States. Said Trump would make a better candidate than Jesus. Whoa! Do you know, I think you're making the best case ever in my entire lifetime for the separation of church (laughs) and state. I I know you're not an atheist, Regina, but hang with us. Eventually, you'll become one. (laughs) Quote, you know, I was debating an evangelical professor on NPR, and this professor said, Pastor, do you want a candidate who embodies the teaching of Jesus and would govern this country according to the principle found in the Sermon on the Mount? Said Jeffress. I said, heck no. I would run from that candidate as far as possible because the Sermon on the Mount was not given as a governing principle for this nation. When I'm looking for somebody who is going to deal with ISIS and exterminate ISIS, I don't care about the candidate's tonal vocabulary. I want the meanest, toughest son of a you-know-what I can find. And I believe that's biblical. God is love. God is love. That's the state of religion down in the states. Oh, but this is this is what Trump is bringing out in people. He's bringing out this the the excuse to be hateful and and extreme. Well, the idea. Well, yes and no. I mean, I I totally agree. He brings out the extreme, but the idea that the evangelical movement in the state is uh, coming out like this in this macho way. Because of Trump, I don't think so. It's it's been there before. Now oh, yeah. it just I think just Trump gives him uh, the 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 permission to express it. All exactly. Of the time. I, I'll I, mean, I, I revise whatever yeah, it was, yeah. however I phrased it before. It right. It gives it. It validates it to use uh, Regina's word for it. Li- it liberates this into. Uh, it's now permissible to do this, and now we have more validation to to continue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just amazing to see that, you know, as people say, Jesus, 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 love, love, love. But uh, when you, re- you start t- sitting down with them, you realize that their idea of Jesus is not the Jesus that's represented in the book. It really isn't. Um, they, they have, it's, it, I've, I, I, I think of it as 
it's a bit like when you have like a 16 year old they're in love with somebody and you know he or she is perfect it's perfect until you've been with them for three months <laughs> and, then, and then you start seeing the flaws but the thing with Jesus is you never get to be with him for three months so he always stays perfect well, I think maybe a tad more perfect than Trump. I find <laughs> it just so bizarre that these folk could make these statements. But take a look at the strange bedfellows you have here and how it just doesn't match up because so much of the evangelical uh, right, uh, would they'd agree entirely with that Muslim cleric. And yet, would they want to shoot him? I don't know. You know, it it's sort of like, I don't know. It's hard to know whose one's friends or enemies are anymore because the, the dictates or the, the opinions seem to match when you go to the far right of any of the religions. Yeah. You could probably get Pat Robertson to, you know, say something about the bicycles as well. And uh, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> It's Pat's had some doozies just yeah. on the show, and we've, we've uh, only covered him lightly. Trust uh, me, I just I still love the one where you have to exercise the frames you buy at the thrift store and the clothing because there might be demons in them. I just you know it's just absolutely amazing to me that. And this guy is, this is what bothers me. This is this kind of stuff that's coming across here now. Yes, as much as Canadians have a tendency to turn a bit of a deaf ear to these kind of message, some of them are starting to listen. Oh, well, it's not so much even listen. Again, it's uh, it's that they, I think, have had those uh, opinions for much, for a very long time. And now they feel it's safe to say certain things. Unfortunately, we uh, can't seem to really get a handle on who's going to do it next, to pull it out of somebody. We could have something like Trump happened here in Canada very easily. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. don't think we're, I don't really don't think we're that much different. No, and you no. know what, you, you have to almost look at, uh, what's that, uh, that uh, blowhard um, Kevin O'Leary. Oh, there's a point. There's there, a there, point. He, he's, he's looking to become uh, head of the Conservative Party. They're and he's talking ex- about that. He's yeah. exactly what Trump is. He's just a yes. loud mouth, in your face, don't care. Yeah, going back to your point for a minute, Regina, in terms of it being so complex, you don't know, you know, which which side. It's hard to determine which is which. And there was a quote, and I, I can't remember whether it was a commentator or not, but uh, essentially what he or she said was, "We've come down to the religion of I'm right and you're evil." Yes. Mm, yes. yes. And I think that's that that says it. Unfortunately. Wow. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> don't know what to add after that. Well, uh, what surprised me, I, I find it interesting that you brought it up about Kevin O'Leary because I've heard that a couple of times this last week, and uh, it makes me wonder why somebody would leave the relative safety of being, oh, I guess the same as with Trump, uh, uh, some sort of a celebrity and, and commentator who... I've listened to in the past. I mean, I used to enjoy the um, Lang and O'Leary exchange. And then actually a friend of mine came up with a suggestion for what that show could be called when they lost O'Leary. It was Lang and O'Leary. So I thought that would have been a good one. Because <laughs> I didn't miss him being gone, but I liked the show enough to watch. And some of his comments, I, I guess, had to make sense. Otherwise... I'm going to ask this very silly question. Why did they have him on that show? 
there must have been a reason. So if he has some substance and he has this high celebrity value, why aren't you sort of um, giving that up to be a politician in a certain degree? <sighs> That's a good question. And uh, frankly, I think I think a lot of people see politics as a stepping stone to enrich themselves even further. Um, <laughs> Trump, I mean, uh, if, if you go back to Trump there, I this is my opinion, it's only worth that much. I don't think Donald Trump ever really wanted to become President of the United States. I think he wanted to do this almost not on a dare, but his ego said, yeah, I can do this. And then when it actually snowballed and went there, he kind of felt he was kind of caught there, and he said, okay, well, let's see how this goes all the way. Now his ego is taking over. I think, personally, I think a guy like Trump or like O'Leary wants to say, yeah, I could have been. I could have been this, and here's the proof. Hmm. But I don't think these people go in there with the idea of, I'm going to make this a better country. For them, it's ego. For them, it's, you know, line their pocket. And you see that often because these same politicians are the same guys that as soon as they've done a term or two, disappear into the public and so on some board of some company. Yes. Yeah, you have to look at where they were before they became politicians. There are people who have um, a genuine background of public service. Either yes. they were in the Peace Corps or, you know, they went to, you know, some other country to really to really help. They were involved in some kind of of, of service, community service, world service. And then you have the businessmen and the corporate ones and the financial structures and the 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 bankers. And when they go in, you think they're suddenly struck with a sense of public service? Or, no, no, you know, not. it's the self-aggrandizement and trying to get laws passed that are going to help, them. you know, them and their, their cronies and their, their buddies advance even even further. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson, which we love, made a comment one time. He says, you know, when you, he says, when you look at politicians, he says, what do you see? You see businessman, law, law, businessman, law, law. He says, where's everybody else? Where are the scientists? Where are the engineers? You know, where are the, the Joe Sixpack? You know, the, the, your parliament here and the Congress of the United States is supposed to represent the people. And when you look at most of the people in parliament or in Congress, especially in Congress, they don't represent the average person at all. Not even close. And what is it that statistics in the United States? Half of the uh, people in Congress are millionaires? Really? Half of them? So how in touch are they with the common person? They're not. They're not. Oh, I agree entirely. In fact, I've heard it said that the people that we want to lead us wouldn't be at all interested in running. And that is a sad reality. There's one or two people I've seen in the past that I've had respect for. Sometimes that respect lasts for quite a while. Sometimes it's gone. I, I, I'm going to say something, and I think maybe I could get in trouble for this, but... Um, You're going to reveal to us who <laughs> that person you had respect for? I was hoping it was me. Oh, actually, there were a couple of, of women uh, politicians. Flora McDonald. And Flora McDonald? Yeah, that goes... I have no idea who that is. <laughs> goes back a ways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I heard this week at the dog park of all places were a couple of people discussing uh, the uh, Trump speech. And it was funny because I was going down and they were going up and I said a quick hello. But as they were uh, leaving, uh, they said, I heard the woman say to the man, well, take a look at what we've got. A kid who taught drama part-time and basically, it took me like, I don't know, a few seconds to realize she was talking about our prime minister. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we've got a bit of a celebrity, you know, and not not maybe lots, not a lawyer, not a businessman, but uh, somebody who I think was voted in for his curb appeal. Well, just like Donald Trump, he's got fantastic hair. Well, there you go. <laughs> his curb appeal and his and his father. Yeah. You know, so well, you know, we'll see. I, I I didn't vote for Justin, but you know what? I must admit, uh, he's impressed me so far. Oh, good. Well, I'm politician. glad you can say that. They say he's more like his mother than his father, mm. and I didn't like his father very much. So no, nobody in BC likes his father. Well, yeah. you know, that's, no, we that's have BC. to give it. We have to give it a couple more years and see what. Oh happens. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still very young there. Mm. Oh jeez. Well, that's enough about politics for now. As overlord, all will kneel trembling before me and obey my brutal commands. End communication. It makes no difference which one of us you vote for. Either way, your planet is doomed. <laughs> doomed! These candidates make me want to vomit in terror. <laughs> All right. So we're going to play now our interview with Michael Shermer, as promised. As soon as I can find it here. Here it is. Um, we interviewed Michael Shermer at Imaginal Religion 6. Um, I had a great time with the gentleman. Uh, we uh, even uh, there's even a picture of me and him doing a bit of an arm wrestling thing. He was uh, quite quite the gentleman. He was uh, very nice, and I had the uh, pleasure of interviewing him with Dr. Randy Tyson of the Legion of Reason. So thank you for him as well for joining me on that interview. So we'll play that, and we'll be right back to close the show right after this. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Randy Tyson of the Legion of Reason and Michael Truman. Michael, thank you so much for giving us some time. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Michael, uh, I've got a lot of questions that my crew has been asking and so so my listeners as well. And the one that really comes up a lot is, could we prevent future apologists if critical thinking was taught early? And if so, how early would you go? Oh, well, um, early as possible. I mean, like, you know, children. Not in any, like, official philosophical teaching principles of logic or something, but just like what we do in Junior Skeptic. Uh, You know, just fun examples of um, like Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and you know like Scooby-Doo was a very skeptical kids cartoon. Love Scooby-Doo. Love Scooby-Doo. It, you know but, but 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 look what always happens you know at the end they always unmask the guy it's the crazy guy down the street with a gorilla mask on or whatever it's you know <laughs> they always figure out what the mystery is and it's never paranormal supernatural and you know that that's a kind of a way of subtly teaching you know what the real world is like. That's interesting. And uh, so I think Yes, of course it would make it. It's already making a difference, you know, over long periods of time. Okay. And Randy, if you want to ask a question, sure, go yeah. in. Well, it, the question I have is, is going to be related to the moral arc to the oh, to talk. Means, so uh, it kind of is a bit of a switch from, from your question. But uh, now, some of the things you said that uh, how things are improving, such as uh, uh, the decrease in capital punishment and our increase in awareness of animal rights, uh, are you know we're, we're both of those are correlating to, you know with, with time to what we would consider better uh, better positions but why would you say that those are better positions I mean because, because the people who don't believe in animal rights or people who don't believe in, in say gay marriage they think they have moral hybrid yes. what is the difference yes uh, the difference is um, the rights of the individual sentient being to survive and flourish not the group. So most of the counter-arguments you'll make are utilitarian-type arguments, like, oh boy, if we let get people, gay people get married, then straight marriage is going to go down, and, and America will go to hell in a handbasket, and the group will lose its moral foundation, and so forth. Those are all collectivist-type arguments. 
that you would think conservatives would be against because they don't like collectivism. But it's again, it's treating people as members of a group, and we're worried about the group or the nation or the tribe. And the whole point of the rights revolutions that, that I made at the end of my talk today was it's the individuals we care, care about. Why individuals? Because it's the individual brain that can suffer, that has joy and love and pain and suffering. It's, it's our moral starting point has to be the individual, I argue. And so you disagree with Spock. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there's a lot that Spock which said, movie though <laughs> yeah, yeah Spock <laughs> 1 and 3 but not 2 and 4 yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, you know and there I'm, I'm kind of making a leap beyond what most philosophers are willing to do which is actually say there's a real moral starting point not, not arbitrary I mean they'll go yeah you have to have an arbitrary starting point yeah, but mine's real just ask the people you know, so how do you know? Ask the people that are affected. You know, ask the slave. How do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and so forth. Now, it's not perfect. I mean, you might ask a Mormon 13-year-old how she feels about marrying a 65-year-old guy, and she, oh, I love it. You know, because she's brainwashed, or she, the guy's on the other side of the door when you're interviewing her, and she's going to get punished later. You know, it's it's not always trustworthy, but general, in general, just you know, asking the and we can't ask the animals how they feel, but in a way we can because. Um, like with the capuchin monkeys video I showed, they expressed their displeasure at the injustice of getting a cucumber instead of the grape by you know throwing it and you know pounding on the floor and rattling the cave cage uh, wall, and that's what animals do. They bark, they scream, they cry. You know they express how they feel about being mistreated quite clearly. That you know we get, we understand if you have just a little bit of empathy. I'm just wondering if, if that includes society as having rights as well, because you know, for instance, uh, people can choose to not vaccinate their children, but at the same time, that produces problems for society as sure. a whole. Yeah, sure, of course. So in, in that case, yes, you ask the individual parent. She goes, "I don't want to vaccinate my kid." Fine, but then your kid can't leave the house. And go to any public parks or public schools or anything like that because, you know, there's an f- effect on other individuals. So um, what I worry about most is is the kind of trolley problem uh, utilitarian arguments that are made. You know, that if, if most people are willing to agree that it's okay to, you know, kill the one to save the five workers on the track, how much easier it is to say, yeah, kill the 10 people to save the 50 people. Kill the 1 million mm-hmm. Jews to save the 10 million Aryans, you know, it's too easy to make that argument. So that's why we—that's why the Bill of Rights was such a clever idea. That, that it doesn't matter what the majority votes. You can't take those rights away. It, even if it's ninety-nine percent of Americans vote, no, you can't do that. Yeah, my father in the wisdom used to say, "Your rights and where the rights of others begin." Yes, that's right. Yeah. So in, in that same branch of uh, Randy's thoughts, there. So what? Why do we feel as a society that times are worse today, even though the evidence says otherwise? Availability heuristic. So this is uh, Danny Kahneman's uh, descriptive term for uh, when we're at, you know, asked to evaluate something, we turn to our memory for the most immediately available memory we have, which is usually what was on the news last night. Terrorist attack, shark attack, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, not heart disease, it hardly ever gets covered, or cancer, which rarely gets covered. You know, but the, the most salient and dramatic thing that comes to mind is usually something obscure. So, and also there's a you know sort of a selective bias in the media. Not not really a bias. It's just what they do. Uh, they don't cover countries that are not at war. They don't cover 
uh, you know, neighborhoods that are safe. They go to the worst neighborhood. In, it's like, in, in it's like Homer's everything's okay alarm. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely annoying uh, all the time. And, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know about Homer's uh, everything's okay alarm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's really it's funny. A good one. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, I don't blame the media. It's, you know, it's good that they cover every air, airplane crash and so forth. But don't think, you know, like, what's the riskiest thing I can do? Fly. Because, you know, I saw it on the news. No, no, no. Hmm, interesting. Um, in your career as a skeptic and a mythbuster, in a way, which myth would you like to see disappear? Well, the most the current one, really, is the, the vaccination autism thing is just so irritating. I think it's a big problem yet, but it could be. You know, if enough people continue to bump up close to the herd, you know, immunity, and then that, you know, and I have a little kid, so, oh, boy, this could be a problem. So I do worry about that, the stuff that really can, can take people's lives. So I'm not worried about astrology and tarot card reading. You know, it's mostly just goofy stuff. You know, but the stuff like alternative medicine, cancer quackery, you know, those things are getting a little uh, more dangerous for society. I do worry about the teaching of creationism, but less so now because they've lost all those battles. And I, I think, you know, their inroads into public schools is less than it used to be. But, you know, keep it on the radar. Just make sure. Although I must say, as Canadians, we're seeing creationism come across the border now. It's starting to is that right? It's yeah. exported by Texas, actually. Uh, Texas, they skip over the rest of the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah essentially, yeah. There's, there's a, a school in Cochrane that's a private school. It's Christian, and you know, it's funded by Texas. Yeah, there's even a mini Christian museum in your home province. Yes, there is. Oh, there is? What yeah, have they got? It's near the Terrell uh, Museum. Do you know the Terrell Museum? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not far from there. Really? Yeah. I've been there. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's on the way from Calgary, actually. Do they have yeah. dinosaurs with people? And <laughs> It's in somebody's garage. Oh, I see. We're yeah. talking small-scale yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, was, there was even a creationist exhibit at the Agrifer and Abbotsford a couple years ago that was actually paid by the board to actually come. Usually... You have to pay to exhibit something in the in the agri-fair. No, they actually gave this guy money to come. Public money? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a bit of a battle. What I do worry about is you know something small like that then escalates up. Like if you're willing to go along with the Creation Museum or this or that, what else are you willing to believe that has more dire consequences? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Things involving you know foreign uh, foreign policy and economic policy and stuff like that. You know, it should all be reason and science based. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm just waiting for the opportunity here. Uh, <laughs> have you ever had a claim that left you puzzled as a skeptic? Something like, you know, you said, you know, i got to get back to you on that. Uh, the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's my bell? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it just sad, though, that, that, that people, everybody knows who, well, I don't, but most people know who the Kardashians are. I've heard the name, of course, but don't know who Stephen Hawking is or... Yes, although he's Richard pretty famous. Feynman. It is encouraging, though, that there are some science superstars like Stephen Hawking. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse and Richard Hawkins, Bill Nye. You know, it's, it's encouraging that, uh, that that people can look up to scientists and that that's a good thing. And more, more of that is better. Um, you know, because it, 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 let's face it, we live in a TV society, a celebrity culture, and, uh, and people pay attention to that. So, you know, whatever Hawking says... You know, I think aliens could be evil. Oh, Hawking says aliens are evil. The, the what? Uh, you know, I, I think we should go into space. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just so that's what people pay attention to. So we, we might as well live in that world and just try to utilize it, get more science. Get Kim Kardashian a PhD and see if she can promote something. <laughs> well, I don't know if she could. <laughs> Skeptics are often cynics. Uh, any advice you give them? I I don't. 
I don't. I disagree. I don't think that's or true. We, we, we just, maybe it's better. To say I think the word cynics pose a skeptic. Well, I, I think there's cynics in all groups. Uh, it's just that the word skeptic and cynic seems to, for some odd reason, yeah. been conflated. You know, skeptics. It's just. It's not a thing. It's just a way of approaching claims. It's just the scientific method. Uh, the null hypothesis. I, I doubt your claim until you prove otherwise. Until you reject the null hypothesis by presenting your evidence that you know so forth. And uh, that's all it is. You know, we you know, skeptics believe all kinds of things. You know, you just the Big Bang theory, plate tectonics, the germ theory of disease. You know, evolution. You know, civil rights. We have all we have all kinds of beliefs, but they have to be based on science and reason. I wonder if we shouldn't be applauding things more though, because. You know, that's where that thing comes from, that, that, that myth comes from, that we're all cynics. We just poo-poo everything that comes out. Uh, but we, I think maybe you might think that it comes from not applauding some things for doing it right. Uh, yeah, I think, well, one of the reasons for conferences like the Imagine No Religion is, in a way, you know, we're sort of a social group applauding each other, going, hey, here we are. We're hanging out, the like-minded people. Everybody else does it. Political groups, religious groups, mm -hmm. why not secular groups? And, yeah. and there are, there's tons of them. You know, atheist conferences, humanist conferences, skeptics conferences. You know, since I've been in this business, really since the, really since the 80s, um, I got interested in the organized skeptical movement. You know, there wasn't much. Now there's, you know, magazines all over the world, conferences all over the world. It seems like every week or two there's some conference somewhere. And that, so that's encouraging. That tells me there's a market for the, there's a lot of people, and, and that will continue to grow because we know from the predictions of the rise of the nuns, the people that check the, check the box for no religious preference, that's the fastest growing group in America, one out of five, and it's one out of three of millennials, people born after 1981. Mm. So that's the future. The future is no religion. Now, these aren't necessarily atheists. They may be agnostics, deists, free thinkers, uh, new agers, you know, whatever. They like Deepak Chopra, you know. And <laughs> uh, but, but, but they're not religious. They have no religious affiliation. And those are our people. Mm. You know, we have, to, we have to expand our own sphere to include more. If we want to solve the big problems, war, global warming, and so on, you know, we need everybody on board. We need a, a, a larger voting block. And so uh, we have that in the nuns. These are our people. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting question. We know that skepticism and atheism will overpower religion one day, but do you ever think it's actually going to overpower something like apathy? Apathy, yes. I, I'm not worried about apathy. People have passionate beliefs about things of which they moralize about, which I talked about today. And um, it's just a matter of directing their moral sense toward causes that we know are good. You know, global warming, overpopulation, war, you know, these kinds of sorts of things, well, overpopulation. We've pretty much got a handle on that now, I think. I think we're going to be okay on that one. And, and I think we're going to be okay on climate change, too. I do. I'm not, I'm not a, in a panic mode about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, think, I think we're doing it. I think we can do it. And anyway, so, but I think that is uh, the, the kind of thing we can get behind, and I don't think people are going to be apathetic. No. Very positive outlook for the future. I appreciate it. I that. think so. Yes, Excellent. I think so. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Mike's all yours. Plug yourself in, my friend. Be shameless. Oh, well, so, well, if you want to read more about Skeptic Magazine, go to skeptic.com. Mm -hmm. That's original. And, uh, you know, we have, um, uh, you know, all of our back issues are in print from Skeptic, going back uh, 22 years now. And um, our lectures that we had at Caltech and our science salons, salons that we're doing now, they're Post it online. You can watch the videos for free. 
Uh, my books are there. Of course, you can get their books on Amazon or whatever. But and MichaelShermer.com is my personal webpage. But mainly, Skeptic.com is the you know the source for all things skeptical. Excellent, excellent. Before you go, can I ask you a quick favor? Can I ha- can I get you to say, "Hi, I'm Michael Shermer, and I took a left at the valley." Hi, I'm Michael Shermer, and I took a left at the valley, and that was the best turn I ever made. Uh, <laughs> How's that? I knew that was coming. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. And that was Michael Shermer. Finally, after <laughs> promising that interview all this long, it was finally done. But it was so, it was worth the wait. Yeah. Don't you think it was? I yeah. think so. I, I think mean, so. you knew what it was about all along, yeah, but, I, you know, for I'm the listeners, to totally worth the wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good on you. Good well, on that you, takes Kevin. us Great to interview. the end of our show. Thank you so much, ladies, again for joining me. And you know what? I have no idea what we're playing off for next week. But that's okay. We'll just leave it in the mystery. It's good to have a little mystery. Yeah, tune in, tune in for whatever it is, and and we promise we'll give you an hour or hour and a half of thrilling listening. Yeah, that's right. So you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can go on leftofthevalley.com. If you really don't like the way I sound, you can send your complaints to Nancy at <laughs> leftofthevalley.com <laughs> or send us an email at leftofthevalley@outlook.com. Yes, third floor, left of the valley. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. Guys, until next time. Intelligent people can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil. What a fucked up statement. Do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me. Skeptical of anything that contradicts history, denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery. I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance. Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots. As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last dollar. isn't real, but Jesus is, or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them, I think the reason is apparent, you do what you're told, and believe in the God assigned by your parents, I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith, and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist,
I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist, 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 I'm an atheist.